Hey guys, I'm Justin Stones. I'm a college soccer coach in Kansas, and you're listening to What's the Lesson? You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to What's the Lesson? Jill and I are sitting across from definitely one of my favorite people for a lot of different reasons. And I actually got to introduce this person to Jill a couple of years ago, which has flourished in its own relationship. And I know that we typically work with girls. You have typically heard girls' voices on this podcast thus far, but this is going to be one of our first male guests. So please put your hands together for the, the one, one and only, the only. <laughs> Justin Michael Stones. <laughs> Welcome to the show, dude. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. Any chance I get to talk to you guys is always a fun one. So this interaction is oh, going to be great. We love you, Justin. You are, I'm like so grateful for Mary introducing you and I, taking it back to 2017, 2018, whenever you and I connected. But you've always been a male presence that stands for personal growth and development, not only for yourself, but also for the girls that you work with. So before we dive into this conversation, we would love to know a little bit more about you and what you do. Tell the people, tell the people what you do. Um, we'll start from like right now, we'll get into a little bit more history, but tell them currently what you are into. Yeah, sure thing. I'm a head soccer coach. I, I work out in a college right now in Kansas. I just transitioned out here. Previously, I've been coaching club soccer at various levels, working my way up to the highest level nationally, and then pursuing more, just you know, trying to explore some other options and work my way up the soccer ladder, if you want to think of it that way, and jump into some college coaching and work with athletes at that level. So I'm a women's coach um, and assistant coach at a college here in Kansas. Have you always been solely a women's coach or girls um we'll get into like i said the ages you've coached right now i yeah. think this is your first college experience correct me if i'm wrong no that's correct first college experience um i've coached male female and i've worked from like nine years old all the way up into professional levels and that's more so on a private setting just a one-on-one -on -one or small group athletes but no worked with guys and girls alike so was your background, so now let's let's get into why you got into this work. Were you yourself an athlete? Take us back to high school circa <laughs> 2004. Oh, shoot. I can confirm. <laughs> Before we even go there, let's get into how we actually yes. know one another. So Justin and I went to school together, um, middle school. We started sixth grade 
uh, with one another and then the throughout prime years. the prime years of our <laughs> life. Um, and then throughout high school, obviously. So can confirm we were both athletes. Justin would actually come to my softball games with like his gaggle of friends and cheer me on from the bleachers <laughs> and I would do the same so cute yeah. you guys have a pretty long history and I love that you still are friends to this day he's like my one and only my like I don't have a ton of friends from high school but this one this one has remained um a great friend to me throughout the years that we've grown up and of course we've lost touch and come back together but I think that's such an important notation it's like regardless of where your relationship goes with people, uh, it can stand the test of time and distance because we haven't lived in the same place since 2006, since um, we graduated high school. Yeah. Well, and I also think what's cool is that you both have evolved. Like your friendship has, like you said, stayed consistent, grown apart, but it's because what I believe is you guys putting in the work to get better yourselves like there's something that he probably sees in you that's like oh cool she's doing like really cool stuff i'm interested to still stay in contact with her and vice versa it's like oh you know yeah he was my buddy in high school but he's also up to really cool things and correct me if i'm wrong that's my belief in looking at your relationship because you both have done so much you've grown up so much since high school but i think what keeps you guys connected is your love and your passion for personal growth and development what say you is that true 100 percent correct <laughs> i mean it was it was mostly me chasing mary around trying to track her down knocking on the door but give it to her she always opened that door every uh, time I, I i can confirm i we wouldn't be friends today if he didn't extend um the outgoing yeah. personality that he has i mean i think you've reached out to me several times after we've lost touch I did always open the door though, so I will, I'll take credit for that. Um, we're much more even now as far as who <laughs> reaches out to one another. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. So you guys went to high school, went your separate ways. And Justin, what, where did you go? Did you go to college? Did you play sports in college? What, what was your, what was your path like? Yeah. So after leaving high school, there was one thing I knew that I wanted to do and that was play soccer. Uh, naturally, the pathway to that in this country is to go on to college and, and try to play soccer or whatever sport you choose at that college level is the easiest way. So I went off to Minnesota and I went to a, a smaller school in Minnesota called the University of Minnesota Morris. And I played soccer there for my first year, decided that the academic side of things wasn't really what I was interested in. And I just wanted to continue to pursue soccer at varying levels. Um, being an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, it's like, what does that look like? So for me, that looked like, well, number one, I know I don't want to be here right now. So get out of here. And that's what I did and just got into like some local circuits in Colorado. And fortunately, met a great guy who's a coach, but he's thinking about getting out of coaching here. His name's Mark Purdue. He got me in touch with um, some semi-professional leagues, but this was in Golden, Colorado. And if people don't understand geographically, like Woodland Park to Golden, Colorado is about 100 miles away. So I trialed for this club in Golden, Colorado. I ended up making that club. So I played in the semi-professional circuit for a couple of years with them, then ultimately worked my way up into a professional circuit in Colorado in the indoor soccer realm. And that team was the Denver Dynamite. Then the soccer career kind of ebbed and flowed and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. It was kind of like bouncing back and forth, getting into school, pursuing education, sticking with soccer, trying to make up my mind. So there for a little bit, there was a break in, in soccer 
while I was trying to figure things out, you know, as you get older, it's, it's all surrounding. I need to essentially mature and I need to find whatever is going to get me where I need to be as an adult. And unfortunately you kind of have to separate yourself from, you know, what might be your passions growing up, or at least that's how it's perceived right now in the country that we live in. So I did that for a couple of years, kind of removed myself from soccer and then decided, you know what, I just don't think I want to be done with this quite yet. Uh, so I pursued an opportunity to go play soccer overseas and that took me to New Zealand. So I lived in New Zealand for a year and that's where I wrapped up my playing career. All throughout that, I had started some coaching. So I really started coaching when I was about 19. This is when I, when I came back from college that first time, because I had recognized that there's a pretty massive gap between what, what you do in high school soccer or club soccer, and then what you do in college soccer. And I thought that a lot of the athletes around me weren't really prepared for that transition. So I decided to take it upon myself to educate some of these athletes and what I thought would be bringing them up to speed on, on that transition between high school and college soccer. So that was my first foray into coaching. And that's, that's how it all started. The evolution of that kind of took some different paths and it, and it started with my head coach in high school actually wanted me to coach his son's team. So his son was about eight at the time. And it was, it was great. You know, I, I've been, I've been surrounded by all these awesome people and influential people in my life that recognize that I may or may not have been ready for a certain situation, but they were going to put me in that situation because they knew that, that there were great things in the future. And this man, Andrew Papadakis was one of those people. He said, yeah, coach my son, you know, I know you have a bit of an anger issue. I know you're a little bit, um, <laughs> in, intense, intense in what you do. Yeah. Mary knows because I mean, she saw what I was like as a player and she's done me over the years. But he knew the same things, you know, just like just like talked about Mary and I's relationship earlier on is this, is this um, perpetual journey of, of self-growth and self-improvement. You know, he saw he saw me for that as well. And he knew that there were good things to come down the road and that I could teach some valuable lessons despite, you know, some of my shortcomings. So I worked with his son's team and then I worked with his daughter's team. And about that time, I had moved over to New Zealand. So not only did I play out there, I coached for the same club that I played for in the in the youth team. And then I came, when I came back from that, I jumped right back into coaching club soccer. And ironically, I coached his son again, and this was fast forward, you know, a couple of years. So he was, I think 14 when I took him back over again. And that's. So really, I mean, what I'm hearing from this is connection for one. Um, you've met a lot of people along the way that, as you said, have put you in positions that were maybe beyond where you were currently, but made you grow. If you wanted it, you had to grow through it. So it's like, you might not have put yourself in those situations, but you knew enough people that saw something in you in order to kind of grab hold of these opportunities because you knew what you didn't want and you didn't want to study something in school at that point in time. And I think that's also a really important point in this country, we put a certain level of importance on higher education, which Jill and I are all about it. We teach life skills in schools. Higher education is incredibly important. However, it might not be the path for a lot of the youth we are working with. Right. So for you to say, okay, I'm giving it a shot. However, this didn't work for me. I think I really want to shine a light on the fact that 
it's okay to explore things, especially at that age in your life, because asking kids to pick what they want to be, quote unquote, for the rest of their life at the tender age of 17, 18, 19, mm -hmm. when their frontal cortexes aren't even fully developed, so they don't really actually know what they want to do, they spend countless hours, time, money, effort, emotions on pursuing a degree just to find out that they actually don't love that thing. They this don't want to do, do that thing. Yeah. So for you to say, okay, I'm going to play at this small school and figure out that I don't like the academics part of it. So I'm going to go pursue what really lights my soul on fire. I think at that point in your life, like that's the perfect time to do something like that because then you have X amount of years later on to figure out what this whole getting mature and being adult-like yeah. thing is like. Well, and you were okay to step away to to go pursue your passion again mm -hmm. and then reflect back in and say, maybe I am ready for school now. Maybe yeah. that time allowed me space to ask myself the question again, like maybe I am ready now, which I I I I know this might be a little taboo of me talking about gender, but I think boys and men are much more confident in making those decisions where there's no strings attached, where girls, it's way more emotional. It's like, really? who, who am I letting down? If I don't follow through on school that my parents have, they've instilled in me that education is so important, but if I let them down, you know, to go pursue this passion, what am I going to do? <laughs> then A leads to B leads to C, D. No, <laughs> you're right. Guys are absolutely way right? more linear in their thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's like you enter a room, you see that your seat's over there, you go straight to that table. Whereas a girl enters a room and she looks around and she's like, that chair's out of place. There, what is the, what, who designed this space? Like there's, there's so many other thoughts that go yeah. through a female's head. So your cutthroatness at that age mixed with your anger issues probably really helped you to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's interesting that you talk about that, you know, how people aren't really fully prepared to be making a decision on what the rest of their life looks like at the at that tender age of between 17 and 19. And I, I would argue that even up until 25, they're not quite ready to make that decision, which is why it's so crazy the format of education in our country. And I get it. It's like you have to get down to it. You know, if, if you wanna, if you wanna really excel in the traditional term of of excelling. It's like, yeah, you want to get in, get your education done and move on. But what's compelling and what I what I found really interesting is while I was overseas, I ran into a lot of people, you know, that that 18 to 20 age people where in other countries, it's almost mandatory that they take a year off to kind of explore themselves and explore what they want to do. So I ran into like, I mean, I did some a little bit of hostile living while I was over there before I settled down into where I was going to be and where I was going to play. And I ran into all these young people, either from the Netherlands or from Germany or wherever, that they take this year off of everything between the time that they graduate high school and the time that they think they're going to go into university. And what the intent of that is, is to figure out more so where they want to be. So when they do get into school, they don't make a, a mistake. If you want to, if you want to deem it a mistake, you know, we have so many people over here that have a degree in x y or z but where they work now has nothing to do with their degree so you know you can look at that as a complete waste of money or a complete waste of time especially if what they're doing now didn't require a degree at all and in our world right now they're just like you guys there's so many entrepreneurs out there that are that are pursuing their careers in something that's completely non-traditional 
-hmm. Totally. I mean, we didn't go to school for this. Obviously, we learned skills that have aided us in this right. work, but my schooling, not to sound too cheesy here, was legit the school of hard knocks. Like I learned what we're doing as far as mentoring girls by living a life that was um, littered with experiences to help girls my age mm -hmm. get through tough conversations, pick themselves right back up after they fell down. So you're you're right. Um, we don't, I guess we don't necessarily deem it a waste, but we love to say that our work is helping girls shorten the gap. You know, so many of us fell on our faces over and over and over again between the time we were 18 till, I mean, me, it was like 27, not even 25. So I took a couple extra years there for granted. Yeah. Um, we want to shorten the gap, that learning gap that so many of us go through where we put our ha hand on that hot stove over and over and over again. Why? We don't have to suffer through that. We know you're going to get burned if you touch yeah. that hot stove. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love what you said too. You said that people overseas or in Europe or where you were traveling, took that year off to figure out where they wanted to be. And I would love to start challenging parents and society of really talking about how do we look at our, our kids and youth and say, who do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be? Not as far as a profession or taking on that identity, but like, who are you at the depths of your core? If soccer and if university and if all of these things were removed, who are you outside of the titles that you wear or the identity that you've been brought into? So not only like, hey, where do you want to be in this next year, but who do you want to be? I think that's massively important for them to identify who they really are. You know, and for me, it was um, a stubborn person, maybe slightly irrational at times, but <laughs> you know, through, through some of those, and I look at them, you know, really, I look at them as qualities because without, without that, I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have moved in the direction that I moved. And I'm in happy with the direction that I moved, you know? So it's, it is addressing those exact qualities. Who exactly are you? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think it's important to, to notate, like, yes, you had maybe some anger issues. Maybe you were a little stubborn. It's been such a beautiful um, thing to witness to see you utilize those qualities about you and funnel them into your passion now. Because I would venture to say that, yes, you still have a stubborn quality about you, but you've allowed that to lead you where you are and you've opened that up so much to being open to new opportunities. I mean, you're in Kansas right now. None of us ever thought that you would be sitting in the middle of Kansas right now, <laughs> but it was an opportunity that came up based on the fact that you were open to changing and ebbing and flowing, mm -hmm. utilizing those qualities about you, not as a weakness, but as a strength. So yeah. let's talk about you coming back into the States and getting really started with coaching. You had a couple of club teams, um, male and female. How did you decide females were where your um, strengths lied? Yeah, it's that's an interesting question because I can't really say that I decided that's where my strengths lie. I had coached on the on the boys' side at the club that I coached for, and I had done a couple of things working with some coaches on the boys' side and working with some coaches on the girls' side. And one of the coaches on the girls' side had suggested that I take a team on the girls' side. So I was like, oh, I gave it a little bit of thought. And I had coached girls in the past uh, only for a season or so. And I don't have any issues. But like at the time, I wasn't like, oof, I hate coaching girls or oof, I'm afraid to coach girls. 
but it just, it had just worked out where I'd more consistently coached boys than girls. So when the opportunity presented itself, like I said, I kind of sat back and I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, should I do this? Do I want to do this? You know, all these different things ran through my head. And I was like, you know what? I do want to do this. You know, I'm going to jump into this and I'm going to see what it's all about. And I'm going to see what we can do. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't until I got into that realm and I got into that team where I realized that a male voice can be so powerful in a group of females and young females. And Amen. Amen. Yeah. And and it's it's up to us as men to be really responsible with with how we act and what we do and what we say to make sure that these girls feel like they're in a comfortable place and a safe space and a space that they can grow. And that's when I really fell in love with coaching girls. I still love coaching boys. It's it's just that these opportunities have continued to lead me towards that girls and women's coaching route. And I recognize, like I said, is 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 the significance and the impact that our words can have as men to women. I mean, that's such a major, major statement. And that takes a certain level of self-awareness to understand um, the weight of the words that you carry, not even the words, but the actions, um, the way you hold yourself. So for those girls, I know you had a particular team that you got to see from start to finish, basically, and that I know that team had such they left such a mark on your heart. Will you talk a little bit more about like your experience seeing them grow, not only as athletes, but as people? Yeah, that, that was certainly the most profound uh, team that I had and, and the biggest impact that was made on me as not only as a soccer coach, but as a person. I mean, they're really impactful to me as a person. They, they gave me the, this, this space where it was okay for me to grow as well. So where I tried to pr- provide a safe space for them to where they, they felt like they could not only be competitive soccer players, but be young women and young girls at the same time. They gave me that same space to kind of explore what it was like to be a guy and, you know, a relatively stern guy coaching young girls. And from the day I met them, they were so warm. They were so welcoming. And I was like, okay, this, this definitely feels like a home for me. This feels like an awesome space for me to be. Did I make some mistakes early on? You can, you better believe it. I made plenty of mistakes early on. You know what I mean? Was I, was I too hard? Was I too hard on him early on? Yeah, I probably was. I'm sure plenty of them would tell you like, oh my gosh, we were so scared of him in the beginning, you know, but he made us cry. (laughs) He made, he made us cry. Yeah. But I worked really hard on fostering those individual relationships with those girls to make sure that they knew it's like, Hey, even when I come down on you, even when I criticize you, you know, regardless of what it is, like I'm on your side. Like I'm not here to be a bad guy. I'm here to help you improve and help you get to where you want to be. So obviously, uh, soccer is the vehicle for how our relationship started and then being able to tap into them, not only as soccer players, like I said, but as human beings as well. And that's what created this bond in this group and this bond for me with this group simultaneously is them knowing it's like he doesn't only care about us winning soccer games. He cares about if we stayed out too late for homecoming or he cares about the people that we're hanging out with. You know, and he wants to make sure that whether it's on the soccer field or whether it's at home or whether it's our, with our friend groups, that we're in a safe space, you know, and, and I wanted them to know probably more than anything that I was somebody that was looking out for them. And if they ever needed anything, they could reach out to me. You know, obviously there are areas where we would have to involve more people, you know, if they come to me with some, some big issue, you know, that issue can't just stay with me. I have a responsibility as a coach and, a, and as an adult to bring in the necessary people to to help with those issues. But they 
I would say that unequivocally, they knew they could come to me with an issue if they wanted to, and we could talk about it, you know, and, and more often than not, we'd find a solution to that problem between us without having to incorporate too many people, unless, of course, it was necessary. Well, and that's massive. It's huge. I'm like, I have so much to unpack with just what you shared. Oh, because 100%. Um, that's, that's the basis of our business is it can be difficult to have a, a child, right? And then expect that child to come to you with absolutely everything. So mm -hmm. you need other trusting adults, whether that's family, friends, teachers, counselors, coaches, um, for your children to know, like, and trust, because if you have their best interests at heart, you're going to help them through a situation like you just described, mm -hmm. right? You're going to help them find a solution and feel better about where they are and not be fearful of the outcome. Therefore, fear breeds insecurity, fear breeds secretiveness, fear breeds lying, and that's a whole snowball that we don't want to start rolling downhill. We would love for them to understand that if they go to the right person and seek out the right advice, then that problem can just be very minor and they can move on with their life. Amen. I was going to say, how in the heck did you, how did you know I, I think about the the dads that are going to be listening or the coaches that are male that are going to be listening. And there's a relationship that's different from male to female, from dad versus mom. And dads more so are a little bit harder on their daughters. So, you know, their daughter goes and performs whatever sport that they're doing. And then they, they come back and, and dad usually is the one that lays the hammer down. And I, I just love that you can still be assertive in your coaching. You, you can still be direct, but also know that you have very soft arms to land in. So how did you foster that? If someone were to listen and be like, oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. How did you get to where you are so that I can become more self-aware in my relationship with my daughter or my relationship with the girls that I coach? Yeah, I think the biggest step that I took in that direction was just recognizing how your athletes are responding to you first and foremost, how are they responding to you? Right. And then you're taking care of, of every piece of information they give you, whether it's that direct information, that direct feedback they're giving you, or it's those little subtleties. How are they, how are they moving? How are they looking? You know, when they come into training, are they looking fresh or, or how are they responding when you give them some sort of criticism? Is it like, okay, yeah, I totally understand. Or is it just like, I could cry right now. You know, and, well, and, and for you to have that awareness, I'm sitting here being like, oh my gosh, yes, body language, like the nonverbal cues can say so much, but oftentimes we're too self-absorbed right. that we don't even see it. Right. So exactly. for you to be so plugged in, that's massive. Just yeah. to start noticing those little shifts to then be able to say, you was okay that okay? Yeah. You all right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and then it could be like, oh my gosh. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> that's who's showing up today is the girl who was holding back tears. But I was, you know, I, I, I allowed you the space to clear it, to clear it. Yeah. And it's just, just like you're saying, it's so important to recognize when you see that, but recognition is one thing and following up and reinforcing is another, is a totally different mm. thing. You know, it's really easy for some, well, I shouldn't say really easy. I would say it's easier for somebody to notice when somebody's affected, but it's a lot harder to follow up. Mm 
knowing that you could have been the person that made them feel that way. You know, it's so easy to just want to ignore that. Like, oof, I just, she's probably crying right now because of me, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. do I really want to go engage in that? And you probably don't. And there were plenty of scenarios where I probably did not, but that's not going to solve the problem. And that's not going to make that person trust you more. It's going to make them feel hurt by you. You know, and this is, this is boys and girls alike. I mean, naturally girls wear that emotion a little bit more visibly, but the root of all this, what I'm getting as the root of all this is, is that you have to put yourself aside and you have to care about this individual or this group of individuals more than you care about yourself at that time. And I think that the more often I could remove my own insecurities or remove my own ego from a situation is when I was the most impactful coach and the most impactful leader that I could be. And I just want to stop right there and rewind the track and say that again, like your mission, what you're doing in this life, if it's your God-given gifts, isn't about you. It's about who you're going to serve. It's about who you're going to impact. It's about who you're going to positively affect. Even if there's bouts of negativity or negative feelings in there, at the end of the day, it's all based on what you want from that person. Like you said earlier, it's how you want to see them grow. It's how you want to see them improve because when we can focus our attention on those improvements and creating the best possible person out of all of those little people, we all benefit. The entire society benefits from spending time fostering those positive relationships, noticing the body language, and following up. So kudos on that. (laughs) Thanks. Well, and I just want to also acknowledge the fact that I got to witness this. Oh, I want to stop you right there because now I want to talk about like (laughs) you, you, you cultivated these amazing relationships with these girls. You contacted me 2018, 2017, around there, and you said, do you know somebody that could do, I think you just said yoga. I think your request was yoga. And a couple people popped into my mind, but one that I knew would follow through was the woman sitting right next to me. So I immediately connected the two of you. And I'm not sure that you knew what you were getting into, but she not only brought yoga, she also brought this beautiful mindset work along with it. Did you know how important that was prior to your meeting with her? Or were you legit just seeking out getting a little bit more bendy before and after a couple of games? I, to answer the question straightforward, I did not know what I was getting out of that. My original intentions were to just get some sort of, it's just, even an opportunity like that, even just doing yoga together is, is an opportunity to team build, you know, and that's, that's what I was looking for time for them to be together, for them to be able to be themselves and have this space where they can be themselves. But also I look at it from the recovery aspect of things like, can we do a little yoga? You know, can we look after our bodies as well? And just like you said, you, you introduced me or put me in contact with Jill and I'm like, okay, cool. Jill sounds great. Like we're going to do some yoga, but then it wasn't really until I met with Jill in Arizona. I think we went to a Starbucks and we chatted a little bit about what was going to go on. And she's, you know, she's hitting me with all this information and I'm like, great. Sounds great. This is perfect. You know, it's like, (laughs) we're going to do yoga. And she's, I I could tell she was a little bit apprehensive on her delivery. It's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, go ahead. Like, let's do it. This was like fresh into Jill starting mindset work with athletes. Like fresh. you first meet somebody and you're just like, okay, I can tell this is, this is a, per- this is a good person. And this is a person that I want involved in what I'm doing. You know, it's like, it's people, you have to put good people around you. 
you know, so whether if you're a coach or you're a business person, whatever it is, you have to put good people around you. I put good assistant coaches around me. I put good strength and conditioning coaches around me. And I put good people that work with mentality, you know, mindfulness. And I put those people around me as well. And, and early on in our conversation, I could tell this is a good person. And once, once I kind of lock in to this is a good person, I study what they're saying. I study how they're moving. And I say, I don't even need to listen to everything else that you're saying, because I know regardless of what you do, it's going to be good. And that's kind of how the relationship went early on. I was like, Jill's legit. I don't need to worry about what she's going to do with these girls. I know that she's going to be great. I will never forget that meeting. I was so, I, I just really valued your insight. Tell me a little bit more about the girls. What are your, what are you being challenged by? How can I come in and support? And he was like, I just want you to do what you do best. And I was like, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what <laughs> you trust me enough. We literally just met and you're going to allow me time and space with these incredible girls, like truly to hold space and, and allow them to bond and connect because that's really my zone of genius. That was what I loved most at my corporate job. And to be able to have the ability to do it at a younger age with this team was such an honor. And Justin, I was like, are you, are you going to stay in here? And he's like, no, I just, I want you and them to do your thing. And I'll we pick them back up. Dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and you were there. I was there. Yep. And it reminds me, it's so funny, like looking back and, and now looking at where I am today, I feel like the most beautiful transformation that we have with girls is when parents fully trust what Mary and I are doing. When they aren't wanting every detail, when they're not helicoptering, of course we wanna share, like I of course downloaded with you afterwards to provide what magic we created, but you, you weren't hovering. And I feel like that's, when Mary and I like, work with parents like that, it's magic. They're like, go do your thing. We trust you and just let us know when you need us. We're like, okay, we got this. We got this. Thank you so much Good. for <laughs> seeing our gifts and stepping out of the way because um, not to say that your kids won't trust you or open up to you, but your mom and dad. So when there's someone else to come in and, and hold space, beauty happens. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's what I recognized. And that's what I saw in you. And I think I told you, I was like, I don't need to know specifically what happened in there. I don't need to know, nor do I really want to know because you're touching the two of you are touching in areas that are completely beyond my scope. And if it's pertinent information, I trust. And I know that you guys will give me that information, but if they're opening up to you, in, in a very um, trustworthy and border, bordering confidential manner, the last thing that you would want to do is, is divulge that information to me because now your relationship with them has been compromised. And if I know that you're doing something great, which I know that, then I don't need to worry about what exactly is going on. In there. What is X, Y, and Z? I don't need to know these fine details. I need to know that they're protected. I need to know that they're in a safe space and I need to know that you're guiding them the right way. And I know that. So I don't need to, to get a full recap of every single thing that was said in there. Yeah. And especially well, as a coach and even as a parent, it's like, they might be talking bad about me in there, which is totally fine. 
as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, it's like they need to they need to get out some things that irritate them. And if it's like, oh my gosh, she's just annoyed me so bad in this moment, it's like, good, talk about it. <laughs> That's so great. It is. They did. They did um, <laughs> talk about it a little bit. Um, we had the pleasure, Jill specifically had the pleasure of working with that team several more times in the last few years. Um, and little did any of us know that Jill and I would form an even greater bond in 2020 than we already had. And we decided to make this thing an even bigger part of our story, rename it Girls Mentorship, where we got the opportunity to work with your teams a couple more times. What was the aftermath of those meetings? Not one in particular, but every time after they would come back to you after having some of this work, what was it like then dealing with them or coaching them? We know that the repercussions, if you will, aren't gonna last forever, but it's the little right. drips that they get each mm -hmm. time that help shape the way they think, the way they see things, the way they communicate. So what was, what were noticeable changes as coming from a coaching perspective after we worked with them? Immediately after, like when I'd get them back straight after the meetings or however you want to refer to it, because a lot of stuff happens like a meeting where everyone's just sitting down formally. I mean, you guys are just the like workshops. Kind of, the workshop. Excuse <laughs> me. When I'd get them back immediately after the workshop, it's like a weight had been lifted off of each person's shoulders. You know, the way that they're moving, they're just moving more fluidly. They're just moving happily. They feel like, to me, it looked like they'd had a release. And after you have that, that release, it's like you get this dopamine hit. And they're like on this high for a little bit. They're riding this high. And that's the immediate effect of it. What's the most compelling, though, is what they draw from that time with you guys and the little things that they do remember. And I found that with the different groups, they choose to latch on to different things. Some of them will latch on to, you know, your guys' little tag things. Um, they'll do like this snapping <laughs> the stuff. And then some of them will really internalize the message. And you can see that that kind of permeates all areas of their life in that moment. You know, I have that complete weekend and you can see that kind of permeates all those areas and they're thinking about it and they're they're using it as a as a reference point to gauge how they're doing how they're performing and they'll it's like they'll always come back to whatever the main lesson of that day was it's like mm -hmm. and you know a lot of it revolves around their value you know and it's not just in sport it's in life you know their value in life and, and they'll be able to it grounds them is what it does it brings them back to this grounding point where they can say hey i might have just had a bad game but that's not who i am Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, That's I think great. it's so special for them to have that. I mean, our appreciation for you to notice that and to make it a priority for the teams that you've worked with has spanned. It's, it's so great between both Jill and I, for you to keep coming back and asking for our expertise, because you said it's outside of your scope. So for you to know, to surround yourself with those great people and to bring them in to make your players great has just breathed so much belief into what Jill and I are doing and the importance of the work that we continue to carry on day in and day out. So with that said, you've obviously now moved on from that age range and you're tackling your first year in college. How's it going? It's great. I love it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 uh, I love being a part of this. I love being a part of sport, you know, especially soccer, whether it's 
guys or girls, obviously, like we talked about right now, I'm with girls right now. The college environment is, is really interesting, you know, because typically you're, you're getting athletes that were some of the higher achievers on their team and you're putting all these high achievers together and that doesn't always mesh well. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes down to girls, you know, you start getting this, um, behind the scenes chatter over here about mm -hmm. this girl and this girl and this girl oh, and this yeah. girl. And then naturally you get all these other distractions that are associated with college, which, you know, it's, it's understandable. I mean, you're, this is the, your first opportunity to be broken away from your family. You know, it's like, Ooh, no parents, you know, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And it's, <laughs> it's this, uh, it's this big exploration year or four years or whatever it may be. So not only are, are we battling with, with what's going on in the soccer field, we're, we're battling with what's going on socially and the pressures that they have to do this and the pressures that they have to do this while balancing this heavy course load of all this work that they have to do. So it's similar in some ways, but it's so different. It's drastically different in so many ways as well. And it's, it's a good challenge. Yeah. My immediate question with you being able to really get curious and uncover like what you're doing is observing and then being like okay how can i support I, i'm sure your mind as a coach is always thinking thinking about yeah. how can i help how can i make them better what do they need right you're constantly you're constantly asking yourself questions but if you're if you were to say like what are the top three things that girls, whether it be with the girls that you're working with now or the, the girls that you were working with, the, the club girls when they were in high school, what are the three biggest insecurities that they have that you as a coach have tried to help them solve or are in the work to help support them move through those insecurities, whether they know it or not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And it's a tough question. It could go a number of different pathways, but I, but I think one of the, the biggest insecurities is they want to feel like they're worthy. You know, they want to feel like they, they have a spot on this team and they're, and they're contributing, contributing members to that team. They're consistently questioning their value, which is so, so hard to deal with. And it's hard to see, like, if you can actually pay attention to that and take a look at that, it's like, at times they get distracted or, or they get confused and they can't see what their value is. And it's like, gosh, just like we've talked about, it's like their value has nothing to do with sport. You yeah. know, it really, well, they're it looking really... at the other person who's better in that right. moment to them. They're like, right. Oh, that's what I want. Yeah. Or they're so blinded to like actually who they are. So that's probably the biggest obstacle that we have to overcome. And, and the way that I've dealt with that in the past is just making sure that they're heard as a person, you know, it's like, can you be hurting? And, and if they seem to be lying on the periphery of everything, it's like, how can we get them? We need to get you back in. We need to reel you back into this and like make sure that you're, that you're Come a part of this here. with everybody. Get, get back in, get back in. You're, you look like you're, you're, you're on your own. You need to get involved. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So keeping them engaged, I mean, they have to be engaged in the group. They have to feel like a member that is, that is not only welcomed in the group, but valued in the group. I mean, we, we keep going back to this, this buzzword of value. I want to feel valued. How do we make them feel valued? You are valued. And that's a constant battle. It just is, you know, it's like one day they can feel great. And then the next day it's just like, you know, it just tanks. 
for me, like I said, it's, it's just keeping them involved, mm-hmm. you know, making sure they feel like they're heard in the group and making sure they feel like I hear them. At times it's important that I hear them. It's important for them that I hear them. But at other times it's like, they want to be heard by the group. They don't care about me. You know what I mean? So finding that balance of, of when do you want to be heard by me? And when do you want to be heard by the group? Yeah. Worthiness, value. That's what I'm picking up in everything that you're saying. And is that your hope? Like, is your hope for girls to eventually, like, I think of you as a head coach for the next 10 years and you get this new wave of girls in 10 years and they're fired up, they're confident, they know their worth, they know their value. Is that your hope or what is, what is your 100%. hope? 100%. Yeah. No, that is my hope. I mean, I mean, hands down without questions. Can we have girls that can know who they are, that can identify who they are and aren't constantly questioning what that is or what that looks like? And I don't, one of the biggest things for me is that I, that I work with these girls on, you know, when I get that chance to really build that relationship is don't seek your value in, in, in other things. You have to know what you are. Don't go to this and say, oh, I need this person's approval or this person's approval, or, or I want to be a part of this. So these people think this of me, just know who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to, I want to instill that. And regardless of it, if it's guys or girls or whatever, don't feel like you need to impress anybody by doing something, you know, don't think that they're going to like you more because you do this. If you're thinking that, then that person shouldn't be in your life, you know, unless they can just accept you for who you are and you're confident in who you are, you know, who you are. You don't need those other people, you know, bring it, bring around people that empower you. Mm-hmm. And that's such a hard concept. I heard a quote the other day that I'm going to totally butcher, but you'll understand the concept <laughs> of it. And it was like, we live our lives based on what we perceive other people to think we are. Yeah. So I'm living my life based on what I think that you think that I am. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a mind melting thing to say, but we put ourselves out there on social media to look a certain way. We show up to the party dressed in a certain way. We do our hair based on what we saw in a magazine looking a certain way. And it's like, man, at the end of the day, when you come home and you take off your clothes and your makeup and you under your hair and you just, you peel back the layers of the onion, like who are you? And obviously we have found that we're in a generation at our age of a lot of women that, and guys that don't, know the answer to that question. So I would love to confidently put a cap on this conversation by saying that's the work we're in to get those girls to you knowing who they are so they can perform as athletes, so they can perform as students, so they can be really great friends, so they can be just in relationship exactly as the people that they were meant to be. So cheers to that. Cheers to hoping that that's what we in the work that we're doing as coaches can can present to the coaches like you. Yeah. And that's why I think you guys are so important. That's why I continue down the road with you guys, because you do speak truth into these young girls, you know, and they'll they'll look at you as as someone they can not only confide in, but somebody they can respect and listen to and take those lessons and, and use them real world application. Well, vice versa. We are so grateful that there are coaches out there like you who are mindful in your words, in 
how you show up, not only for them, but for the parents too. I know when I worked with you, the parents just adored you. And now you're even at a higher level. So you're representing a university and a, and a bigger school and a platform. So I'm always blown away by you and what you stand for. And I love also knowing a little bit about your past of like where you came from to get here and know that it's possible that you can continue to grow and evolve in becoming a better version of you so that, like you said, your influence and your impact can be impressionable on the people that you come in contact with, whether you're a parent, a stranger, a coach, it doesn't matter. It's like always leaving people better than how they found you. And with that said, we'll see you in Kansas. <laughs> Do we get to click you know, our red heels and then just magically whoop, arrive? You know, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to get you guys involved one way or the other. It's in the works. Oh, it's in the works. It's in the works. So we'll reporting live yeah. from Kansas the next time we talk to you. We'll have we'll to have a follow up podcast. Then. Yeah, we'll bring our go. gear on the road. All right, you guys, this was a fantastic conversation. We don't necessarily know how to tell you to seek coaches like this out, but it's a weed out process. If you don't like what the coach of your daughter's or son's team is presenting, find a new coach. Find one who is as self-aware as this conversation presented itself. Um, and we can only hope that we left you with the knowledge, skills, and abilities to go out there and do that. So until next time, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. Hey guys, my name is Justin Stones. I'm a coach. God bless. <laughs> and this is so funny. This is good. Take two, uh, take two. All right, I got this. Justin's out. Oh, sorry. Good. What's the left? Filter fish? Good filter fish. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Radio edit. I get that? Yeah, you that got it. Perfect. And this bomb ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship. <laughs> 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 <laughs>